0: about you, but uh, I love a good Disney story. I, like probably most of you, my favorite is Lion King. Anybody else, Lion King is just where it's at? And we don't count Pixar, right? Because, I mean, Toy Story is everybody's favorite. But if we're talking about the old animation, Lion King for me is where it's at. But, you know, a close second to that is Aladdin. And that's really kind of come back on the scene because of the new movie and those sorts of things. But when I was a junior high kid and and, I had several cousins around me who were a little younger, Aladdin really meant a whole lot because in my grandmother's basement, there was a lamp that looked something like this. And so the movie became very real to us because my grandmother had a genie lamp. Now, the story on the lamp was that she had a, a son, so my uncle went to Saudi Arabia, and this was like a, like a knick-knack that he brought back to her. But um, we would go down in the basement, and we knew better, but we also thought to ourselves, but what if? What if this is the one time, Right? And so we'd go down there, three or four of us, we'd be huddled around for Christmas or, you know, Thanksgiving or just a weekend at grandma's. And we would go down and so we would get in the corner and think to ourselves, maybe this is the time. It didn't work last time, but maybe we can wake him up. And so we would go down and we would rub the genie lamp or what we thought was a genie lamp, which later my mom told me was just like a serving, like a water server. But we would go down there and we'd rub the lamp and nothing would happen. But it didn't keep us from having the conversation, right? What would we do if one day this genie in the form of Robin Williams popped out, right? And so we began to, to talk about, like, you know, I know what I would ask for. And at that time, I would ask for a Chicago Bulls starter jacket because that was my world at that moment. Not the full zip. I wanted like the quarter zip with the big front pocket. I, some of you know what I'm talking about. And others would go, you know what? I would ask for a Super Nintendo because the old Nintendo's lame, and I want the Super Nintendo. And others would go, you know what I really want? I want a talk boy. because I want to be able to record everything, you know, as I go and move along. You know, in case I get left home alone, I can have a Talk Boy where I can play my uncle's voice in the shower, right? Others would go, you know what I would want? I would want to be able to fly. And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. And then back to future was a big moment. And so how about a DeLorean where we could go back in time and see how things really worked or we could go into the future and see how things work. And we would walk through this list of things that at that time we thought was important stuff. We thought if we could just get this genie to come out and grant us these wishes, we would wish for, you know, the big stuff, the stuff that matters. You know, the stuff that we only dreamed up, but if we had it, our life would not only be perfect, it would be complete. Or as complete as a 12-year-old's life can be. And so every time we got together, we'd go down and rub the genie lamp. And it's amazing how time shifts things, how time has a way of shifting or maturing us. Now, in a moment of complete honesty, this week as I was preparing, I saw this sitting on the table and I went, maybe this is the time. (laughs) Don't judge me, right? You would have done the same. In fact, if anybody has a vintage Bulls starter jacket and a 2X, I will take it right now. But it's amazing the way things shift. And it still took me down a path. It took me down a path of what if? What if? And things are much different these days for me. What I dream of and and what I wish for and what I want, what I desire has shifted. And what has shifted is, is the things that I now want, looking back, matter more. And I know that that this is going to be mind-blowing to you, but since the genie days, here's what I've come to realize. Very simply, that some things matter more than others. And I know at the moment that doesn't seem real spiritual, so hang with me. But some things matter more than others. And this is, I know, obvious, and I know it doesn't belong in neon. But here's the point, is that it points to something. It points to me realizing that this simple truth has great impact on my life, especially my spiritual life. What it is, it's part of maturing. And Paul is going to talk about some of that maturation, that that maturing process that he, he wants us to get to this place where we begin to, as followers of Jesus, realize that, you know what, some things matter more than others. And this maturing, this understanding that some things do matter, what it does is it shapes my life, and especially... What it does is it shapes my prayer life. Now, I don't want you to walk away today and think that prayer is like a genie, okay? So so just take that off the table. But here's what I'm thinking. I think in the same way, I think that we've got to begin to to ask ourselves, what do we ask God for? What would we ask God for? If we felt like that we had this deep spiritual prayer life, and and I want to contest that, you know what, you, you do. That when you begin to call on the name of the Lord, it doesn't take fancy words. It doesn't take these long stretches where you've got it all together. If I can get to two months of having everything together, then maybe God would hear. I'm telling you, God hears you anyway. But but what would we begin to ask for? What do we ask for? What do we spend our time wanting most and longing for most? What do we think matters most? And so Paul continues this thought. As he's writing this letter to these friends that he has in a church that he planted in Ephesus. And so it's this letter that we've come to know as Ephesians. And last week we kind of spent time in the first 14 verses where we opened up who God is. And so he shifts gears and he goes, now that you know who God is, I want to to ask God for something for you. I want to pray something for you, and I'm going to be very specific. I want to ask for very specific things, and so we open this back up, and we start in verse 15, and like last week, everything I'm about to read to you was one kind of run-on thought. It's almost like when Paul opens up this gate, and as he's praying this, as he's thinking about this, what do I want for these people? What do I want for this church? He says, I just can't, like, put the pen down, and so he begins to run, and here's what he says. He says, for this reason... I want to stop there for just a second, and I want you to point back, and you may have to go back and listen to last week, but here's what he's saying. He says, In light of what I just talked about in the first 14 verses, in light of this intro to the letter, in light of talking about who God is, now that you understand, here's who God is that God is a blessing God, that God is a redeeming God, that God is a saving God, that God is a God who calls you to purpose. That God is a God who has something that he wants you to achieve, that he wants you to live into, into your life. He says, in light of all those things, in light of what you have been called to, in light of who God is, he says it's for this reason that he's going to conclude. He's going to go on, he says, for this reason, I want to pray something for you. I want to to encourage you. I want to guide you to something. I want you to become who it is that you have called to to become. Both individuals, but collectively, I want you to become. I want you to feel empowered. I want you to have what, what it's going to take. I want you to be equipped to live, what? Into the glory and the praise of God. So Paul says, in light of that, for this reason, here's what I want for you. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every Here's what Paul knows. Paul knows that God, the God he just described in the first 14 verses, is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. In fact, he's going to go ahead and write that just a few chapters over. Paul knows that God is able to supply and to give exactly what we need To become what he's called us to be. And that looks different for each of us. Paul knows that God can supply exactly what you need. And what you need and what you need and what you need. And all of those things can be different things. But God says, Paul says, I know that God is a God who can supply those things. So I'm going to ask for those things. I'm going to petition God for those things. If we're going to reach our full potential, if we're going to live into this life to its fullest, if we're going to experience the goodness and the fullness of God, if we're going to live a a part of God's story, we said last week that it's God's story, we're just living into it. We are being authored into that story that we're going to need some help. Paul says, listen, you're not going to be able to do this alone. It's a tall task, but it's not an impossible task because I know the God who gives I know the God who is a blessing God, and there are things that matter most. There are things that matter more that are going to enable us. So he's asking the all-powerful creator God, who, by the way, can give anything at any time to anyone. He says there are three things that should rise above. There are three things that should matter more than other things, and he's very specific, and here's what they are, verse 17. Look at this. I keep asking, and I want to stop there for a second because I love that Paul says it's that big of a deal. He says, I'm going to continue to pull at the code of God. I keep asking. He says, I'm going to relentlessly petition God for this because it matters that much. And so what, what, what follows this is Paul saying, listen, I'm going to go to bat tomorrow, and to, the next day I'm going to go bat, to bat again. I did it yesterday. I keep asking. And what does he keep asking for? for these people, for us, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Simply put, here's what he asks for. He asks, God, will you expand their minds? Give us expanded minds. God, would you give us, give them The capacity to expand our minds, to grow our minds. God, would you give them, give us wisdom, discernment, understanding. And I love that Paul points out that, you know what, all of these things is not for our own purpose. He says, listen, I don't want you to have wisdom or these expanded minds, these great levels of knowledge and understanding for your own personal gain. He says, don't make us wiser so that we can be more business savvy. Don't make us wiser so that we become better and and that wisdom allows us to position ourselves for some sort of benefit in life so that we can be better at life. He says, no. He says, make us, give us the spirit of wisdom, the capacity to understand for what? He says, so that we can know him better. Guys, that's been a prayer of mine all week. God, will you expand my mind? So that I can know you better. So that I can connect with you deeper. So that I can be more intimate. So that I can be more disclosing in the things that you already know but I'm too ashamed to admit God, will you expand my mind to know you better, to know the spirit of your grace, the the promise of your hope, the trust in your salvation? God, will you expand my mind to know you? Paul is pointing that wisdom and knowledge and understanding goes beyond just knowing about. He says, no, I want you to know him, but I want you to connect to him better. I go back to when Lori and I was first dating. I had asked her out on our initial date, and it was fancy. We went to McAllister's, and it was awesome. I remember sitting at that table, nervous. And I was trying to figure out in that moment, is there something that connects? Is there something that'll lead us to, you know, date two? And so as a result of that, this is how the date went. I didn't ask her about facts about her life. It would have been weird if I had gone... Jason, good to meet you. Now, what is your address? Oh, you live with your parents. Do you know what their mortgage is? They on a fixed rate? Those are really nice shoes. What size shoe do you wear? Is that your natural hair color? What do you struggle with? Why are you still single? Now, guys, those are all things that at some point, I need to know some of those things. Bought Lori a pair of boots a couple of Christmases ago. They're fantastic boots, by the way. But I needed to know in that moment her shoe size. I needed to know that fact. But when I'm back here trying to get to know her better, I needed to know at some point what the address of her parents' house was because I was invited to dinner. I needed to know so that I can do life with Lori and we can minister to one another. I needed to know what her struggles were. I don't need to know if that's her real hair color. But there are moments that I need to know facts, but then there are moments that I need to connect deeper. And here's what Paul says. You've got to move, and I pray that you have this spirit, this capacity to move beyond just knowing about God to knowing him better, to connecting better. I pray that you not just have knowledge, some theological understanding, but I pray that you have a capacity to understand what I just spent time telling you about in the intro, Paul says, and that is this, that you get to know the God who is a blessing, giving God better, deeper. So he says, God, give us a spirit to know you more and more and better and better. And in order to do that, give me an expanded mind. And then he moves to the second. He says, not only give us an expanded mind. But he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The second thing that he asks for, he says, God, will you give them opened hearts? Will you blow their mind? Will you expand their mind? But will you also give them open hearts? Will you allow the eyes of their hearts to be opened in such a way that they are enlightened? Why? In order to see your hope. The hope to which you've called us. The, the hope that is this glorious rich. This hope that is a promise of an inheritance. Because it's the same hope, and I don't want to rehash the series. It's the same hope we talked about for an entire month of December. It's that hope that is surrounded and represented in the birth and the coming of Jesus. It's the hope that allows us to have holy expectation. Meaning that I get to go to God and say, God, I know you are a God that always delivers. So it's not like rubbing the genie lamp. I know there is, there is something that is always going to happen because God is a delivering God. And in that I can hope. In that, I can take comfort. In that, I can take peace. That he delivers when things go bad. I can hope. I can expect it. And Paul says, listen, there is a hope of an inheritance. That's not just some far off dream of heaven. But no, you inherit things now. That you get to live into things now. And he says, God, will you open their eyes that they can see the hope. That they can begin to live in holy expectation. They can begin to live in holy confidence in, in light of who you are. And so it's more than just head knowledge. He says, now let's move it into a heart place that not only does your mind begin to be expanded, but your heart begins to be expanded and opened. And I love that Paul kind of takes that and he shifts us to one final thing that kind of, again, ties these two sections, verses 1 through 14 and the latter together. He says, let me me give you one more thing. He says, I want you to know God more. I want you to know God deeper. I want you to know God better. I want you to have your hearts open so that you can be confident and know that there is a hope that is a promise, a promise of an inheritance, a promise of something now that delivers, that is holy expectation. And he says, verse 19, he says, and I also want to pray this. I want to pray that what? His uncomparably great power for us who believe. Oh, and that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Paul says, I want to ask for one more thing that really, really, really matters. We allow them to live empowered lives. And I love that Paul points that this is no ordinary power. It's an extraordinary power. It's a power that you can't obtain any other way. And I love that he ties this up because here's what he says. You can't get it from head knowledge, even though I want your mind to be expanded. You can't even get it from opening up your heart. It's something that God has to give. And he says it's beyond anything that you can experience or muster up or achieve on your own. He says it is an extraordinary power. It's the same power he exerted when he raised Jesus. This is huge. And so as we begin to to, to work through this letter and we go, okay, here's the life I'm called to live. I'm, I'm called to live in the glory and praise of God. Jason, there's some areas in my life that I just don't know if that's possible. I, I, I just don't know if I can. I'm not sure that I can overcome my past enough. I'm just not sure. This is huge because here's what it does away with. This prayer of empowerment does away with the I can't. This, this prayer for empowerment does away with the, well, I'd like to, but I don't think I have it in me way of thinking. What it does is it does away with the, I don't think I'm able to do that. as much as I'd like to, and but man, I'm telling you, I get one week or two weeks sober. I get one week or two weeks, you know, kind of renewing my attitude, and, and I, I create, and then it's, I just... I'm not able to keep up. I'm not able to do these things. I'm just not able. I don't think I have the strength or the power to change, to overcome, to move, to take that step. And can we just kind of put this out on the table? You're right, you don't. You don't. But he does. He does. And he can provide us with that. And Paul knows that. Paul prays that for us. Paul says, God, will you bless us not to just understand who you are, but experience who you are? Will you empower us? Will you allow us to gain confidence and courage and overcome some things because of that? And this is such a difference maker that God gives us this power, not just individually, but collectively as a community of believers. He says, I'm praying it for all of those who believe it's in these moments that we say, God, will you help me? Will you give me the power to tackle my day? God, you know what waits me tomorrow. You, you know that I just can't handle much more. God, will you help me in my situation? Will you God, will you give me power in my struggle? God, will you give me power in my issues? God, will you give me power in my marriage that's crumbling? God, will you give me power in raising teenagers and college students who just don't know how to act and have it together, but yet we expect them to, and you don't know what to do because you've not been a teenager in a long time, and it's a whole different culture, and so you got, I don't think I have the power. I don't think I'm able to advise. I don't think I'm able to do this. God, will you give me the power in those moments? Will you give me power to overcome my habits? Habits that you know what I have been years and decades deep in and they have have enslaved me and about the time I think I get over them something comes along and tempts me and I I fall short God I don't have the power God will you give me the power to deal with my addictions and with my attitude and with my failures and with my weaknesses and God will you give me the power to deal with my sin and I need to be reminded and Paul says it's there it's there It's available. And all that time that you spend doubting your power, you've got to remember there's another power that's at work for you. And by the way, if you ever question it, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He says, so for those who believe, you can experience it. You can know it. You can trust it. There's no doubting it. And you can overcome by it. God, Paul says, give us the capacity to know you better. God, will you open the eyes of our heart to know that there's hope, and there's promise, and there's certainty in that. God, in the moments that I'm just weak, and I don't have it together, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and I don't think I can, And I know I'm not able. God, will you empower us to live different, to live better? So as we land this morning, here's my question. Do we pray this way? For these things. Bringing it back to the original statement that I told you didn't seem real spiritual at the moment. Guys, there are some things that matter more than others. And Paul says in this moment when you're trying to get in step with and live into this calling that you have been called to, to be authored into the story of God, his story. He said there are things that need to rise to the top because they matter more than others that you need to be praying for. And so let me make it really clear, he says, I'm going to pray these things. I'm going to pray for open minds, open hearts, and empowered lives. And if we're honest, can we just admit that, you know what, we tend to pray for immediate things. And I want to tell you, that's okay. That God cares about the small things too. And and, and I want to encourage you not to delete. I don't want you to go home and go, wow, I can't pray for things I've been praying for because they're small things. Jason says, I only need to pray for things that matter. No, I'm telling you that those things matter too, but I want you to add some things to your prayer. And simply put, I want you to add those three things. If you're not praying for those three things, begin to pray for those things. And it's okay to care about the small things, but I believe that God wants us to care about the bigger things more. And so this week, as you pray today, as you pray, ask God for the big things, the things that matter. Yeah, I I get it. You know, paying your bills is important. Getting to work safe tomorrow in Nashville traffic, that's important. Getting accepted into a school this fall is important. Passing an exam that is waiting on you, that's important. Lunch that you'll eat and dinner that you'll eat is important. Your neighbor's, cousin's, uncle's broken toe is important. I want you to keep praying for those things. But I also want you to know that there are things more important and that we've got to begin to add to. And we've got to begin to mature. We've got to begin to shift from starter jackets, which are important, to things that are really important. We've got to shift to saying, you know what, I want to grow in my likeness. I want to grow in step. You know, I thought this week that my problem, and this is just me, my problem isn't that I pray for too many small things. My problem is I don't pray enough for big things. And when our prayers begin to be shaped by God and his story, our prayers will begin to broaden. And you you may say, Jason, well, okay, well, how how do I begin to pray this way? And I just want to give you a starting point. Here it is, ready? Start by praying God's story. Begin your prayers by saying, God, here's what you've done. Here's what I've seen you do. Here's how you have delivered. Here's what you have meant to me. Here's what you have been faithful to, that God, in spite of my failures and doubts, you always seem to be there. Pray his story. Guys, this is all throughout Scripture. People begin to pray God's story. There's no place. Let me give you something you can read, Psalm 106 and 107 this week. Just pray those kinds of things, and you're going to begin to see not only, God, here's what we need. That's what we get to, but, God, here's who you are. And because I can take confidence in who you are, your story, I know that you're not finished with a story. So by the way, here's some things I need. And, and we may say, well, God, or Jason, why, why does God need to hear his own story? And God knows he's been faithful. God knows these things. And maybe it's not for his benefit. Maybe it's for ours. And so I want to get you started there. That maybe telling him who he is will be a reminder of who he is to you. And that I can take confidence in that. And that I know that he will deliver because he's done it in the past. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask him for what really matters. So pray this way for these things. But there's one other detail in this that I don't want us to lose. Paul's not praying this for himself. Paul's praying it for others. So my question is, is, do we pray this way for these things for other people? This year, I want us as individuals in a church, I want us to begin to really, really pray for things that matter for others. I'm going to be real specific. I want us to begin to pray for those things, for people who do not yet know Jesus, who do not understand who God is, that he's a blessing and a redeeming God, that do not understand their purpose. Oh, they may think they have not figured out career-wise and relationship-wise, but there's still something that nags because something's missing and they're not living into their purpose. I want to begin to pray for those things. So let me tell you, next week, do not miss next week. Be here next week. We're going we're to be involved in something that's called Awaken, and it's a citywide thing. And, and, and next week when you come in, there's going to be something on your seat, and it's a call, it's an invitation for you to begin to pray these things in those ways not just yourself, but for someone else. And so I want you to be here for that, because we're going to begin to pray, God, do what you do, be who you are, and help us to become who you are. So God, will you give me an expanded mind? God, will you open my heart, and God, will you allow me to be empowered so that I can become able, so that you, through me, can enable me to do some things much differently? If you will stand with me, we're going to move into a time of communion. And here's what I want you to ask, what's your next step? What do you need to ask for, not just in the moment, but what do you need to ask for in the future? For some of you, you probably need to begin with this conversation of salvation. You know, we've talked about for two weeks now this redeeming, this saving, this rescuing God and maybe you're at a place where you go, you know what, I need to know more about this. I don't, I don't even know how to ask it other than I know that I don't think that I am. I'm not sure that I can be forgiven and maybe for you you need to be told that God is a forgiving God. So let's have a discussion. Let's, ha- let's grab coffee and let's talk about what it means to surrender your life to Jesus and how He loves you and has gone out of His way to pursue you and redeem you. Maybe for you, that's your next step. For you, maybe your next step is, you know what, I just need some answers. I, do, I need wisdom and understanding. There's no question too big. There's not a bad question. There are questions I won't know the answer to, but we'll find it out. We'll dig. We'll grow. We'll ask God for expanded minds. Because I think that knowledge is important to knowing him better. And so let's experience that. Let's journey that together. Maybe for you it's, God, will you just open the eyes of my heart? I live in a hopeless world. I'm negative. I just don't think there's any answers. I think that, you know what, we are doomed. We are headed for hell in a handbasket. Maybe you need to ask God today, and your next step is, God, will you remind me of your hope? Will you assure me that everything's going to be okay? So open the eyes. Maybe for you, your next step is needing that power. Before I can go any farther, I've got to recreate some habits. I've got to have a breakthrough. I've got, got to have help fighting. Because every time I try to go into the ring alone with my issues and my addictions and my habits, I, I lose. I need help fighting. And I just want to ensure you that you... We're in a safe space to ask those questions, to make those requests, because you've got a group of people here that are going to love you and help you take that next step. So whatever your next step is, we want to encourage you to pursue it. Ask about it. Lean into it and see what happens. Guys, we have some people here that are known as our shepherds, and they are always back at the Respond banner. They're always available. And here's what a shepherd is. It's just somebody who is going to walk alongside of you, who's going to cheerlead for you, who's going to ask and hold you accountable. But they're also going to say, you know what? You can ask. And we'll share our story as we're living into God's story. And we want you to know that there's always a group of people that love you so much that they're willing to help you navigate whatever that looks like. And then we never want to leave without gathering around tables where we get to celebrate who God is and what God's done. and So we're going to invite you into a moment of communion and, and it's an open communion. We don't believe that you know you have to be a member here. Really the only requirement to gather around this table is that you're either a believer in Jesus or you're seeking Jesus or you want to know more about Jesus. You want to be involved in some way in this communal act of remembering who God is this morning. So gather up with some friends or maybe someone who brought you, your family and Just enjoy being together and celebrating what's on those tables. And you're going to find two things. You're going to find a cup and a little piece of bread. And those are just remembrances. They're symbols of who Jesus is, what he did for us. And so we want to leave today as a body who will take this together so that we can, again, live into what he's called us to live in, into the glory and his praise. Father, this morning as we wind down and as we move toward communion will you give us expanded minds to know you better open hearts that is a reminder and an enlightenment of your hope and your inheritance God may we leave here empowered empowered to tackle to do whatever it is that we need to do to take that next step God empower us to do that and God may we celebrate who you are and what you've done around these tables as we remember the great sacrifice of your son. God, we said last week, you can't bless us any more than you already have because you gave us Jesus. And so may we remember him, may he be lifted high in these next few moments as we commune in remembrance of him today. We pray this through your son's name.